Okay, good talk. Um We're now, uh, tonight is Rosh Chodesh El, and it is the time of Teshuva, the time when the Alt Rebbe said the king is in the field, and God accepts all of us and greets and uh, shows each of us a smiling face, accepting us all in Teshuva. So on, in that spirit, I want to share tonight two stories. The first story is about the Chayz of Lublin, and expresses the majesty of, of, of every person's neshama, every person's soul, even though it may not seem that majestic. And the second story is about the Remarash, and also echoes that theme and highlights the power of, of Teshuvah. Um, in the time of the Chayz of Lublin, in Lublin itself, in the city of Lublin, there was a person who was referred to as Shimon the Meiser. I heard this story from, read this story uh, from an article in Krachabad by Rebetzin Simash Kanazi. She doesn't bring a source, I don't know the source of the story, but this is the way she says this. That the, uh, this, this Shimon, Hamaiser, Shimon was the one uh, who would bring any person who, uh, to justice, anyone who was doing something that may be uh, considered uh, wrong in the eyes of the government, Shimon would be the one to report it to the government. And he caused a lot of people to get in trouble. In fact, it wasn't just he reported people to the government, but he would look for opportunities to bring his fellow Jews to get taxed and imprisoned. And he really caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. So when Shimon the Moiser... Uh, passed away, the, um, the Jewish community was elated. They were they were so happy because they were finally freed from this guy who had caused them such so many problems. So, uh, so the previous rabbi said that. Sorry, so the the Chayza, when he was told by his um, his gabai, his attendant, that Shimon had passed away, the Chayza said, "Oh, I will like to attend his funeral." And he is, the, eye, the light in his eyes was like extinguished when he heard that Shimon the Moiser, Shimon who was doing the most dastardly deed possible to cause such pain to other people, when he passed away, the Chayza said, I would like to attend his funeral. Please tell me the exact moment of his funeral procession because I want to be there. And the Gabai was shocked. The Chayza, this tzaddik, would barely attend any funerals unless it was some, you know, some rare very special person, and now he wants to attend the funeral of of this Shimon for this guy who was so wicked, causing so many problems. But he uh, he, he did tell the Chayza what was going on when the funeral began, and the Chayza attended. Of course, if the Chayza attended, then the whole town attended, and the Chayza attended with his eyes, you know, down following the the casket, and then on their way back. The Gabai saw the Chayza looking in the sky, and he could tell that the Chayza is looking at other things which are happening in other places, perhaps in other worlds. And the Gabai couldn't contain his curiosity, and he said to the Chayza, I just want to know, why did the Rebbe feel that it's necessary to attend the funeral of such a wicked person? You never go to funerals, and this person was not a favorite of our community. Everyone else was very happy to hear that he passed away because of the danger and the harm that he caused so many people. 
So the Chayzer said, you have a point, I'll, t- I'll tell you the story. In every generation, God sends certain tzaddikim, certain righteous people to the world to guide and inspire the Jewish people. One of those souls was a great tzaddik who li- lived in generation before, whose name was Ramnachem of Chernobyl. Ramnachem was a student of, of, of the Zitra Magid, and he was also a Mukhutin, his, his uh, child in the child, uh, grandson, uh, there was a wedding between them, and so they were sort of related. And so Rav Nachum of Chernobyl, he was accused by the government of um, saying things against the government. He was accused of, of speaking publicly, ridiculing the government, and the government didn't take kindly to this, to this kind of behavior. And immediately Rav Nachum was arrested, and the government decision was that because he did such a terrible thing, he would be placed in a pit, and he was going to be burned alive. They were going to cre- create this wooden structure. They were going to fill it with tar and sulfur, and then they would burn him alive with this in this in this structure. So you can imagine how all the Jewish community was was so engulfed in sorrow, and they all began to daven and fast and pray that this decree gets annulled. Meanwhile, the leaders of the Jewish community um, gathered together and trying to figure out a way what they could possibly do to annul this decree. What could they possibly do? And they came, they came across, a, they, they thought of the following plan. The Minister of Justice was visiting Lublin and they thought that perhaps they could get someone to create a letter to ask the minister to pardon uh, the, um, the, sorry, the, the, the minister was visiting Chernobyl. Perhaps they can get a, a someone to come to the minister in Chernobyl and to ask him to rescind the decree. So they wrote a re- really nice letter. And the rest were trying to figure out who should bring the letter to this minister. While this is happening, the uh, the Amnachim um, of Chernobyl, he is languishing in this pit, and every day he is being visited by another tzaddik, a colleague of his, Rav Wolf Jatomer. Rav Wolf Jatomer, he his last name I think is Rav Wolf Kitsis. Rav Wolf Kitsis from Jatomer, he would visit the Chayza every single week, every single day. So he visited, I'm sorry, Rav Nachum Chernobyl every day. And he studied with him, he stayed, stayed with him for two hours. Every day he would, he would stay with him and learn with him. And one day, Rab, the, this great Salik of Wolf Kitsis and the Rav Nachum Chernobyl are studying together in this pit. And as they're studying together, all of a sudden this woman appears. And this woman asks, Rav Nachum, Zu Torah v'zu Chzchara? That's an expression from the Talmud. It means, is this the Torah? Is this the reward for the Torah? Like, how can this be happening? And Amnachem responded, yes, indeed, this is the Torah, and this is a reward for the Torah. So, Rabbi Wolf Kitsis asked, what, what just happened? Who is this woman who came and she disappeared? What's the story? So, he said, this woman was Sarah Imenu, was Sarah, our matriarch Sarah, 
And uh, she was asking why this is happening. And I said, yes, this is a very appropriate, appropriate thing to happen to me because I was involved in, in spending money in gathering funds to rescue Jews who were imprisoned. And until you're imprisoned yourself, you don't really know what it means to be imprisoned. So in order to perfect the mitzvah that I've done, I needed to experience prison myself. Yes, I, I did make an effort to rescue Jews from prison, but in order to perfect the mitzvah, that's why I'm being imprisoned. That's what he said. So the Wolf of Jetomer, of Wolf Kitsis, he was shocked because he realized that Reb Nachum Chernobyl is satisfied with the decree in heaven. He's not going to try to pray to leave his imprisonment. He's, going, he's okay with being killed. He's okay with being burned alive. And so he tried to explain to Reb Wolf, to Reb Nachum, how the Jewish people would really lose such an incredible person like himself, and that the, he shouldn't he shouldn't accept this decree and he should pray to be free. But his words fell on deaf ears. So Wolf summoned uh, other tzaddikim in order to convince Nachum Chernobyl to pray to leave prison. He brought the uh, the Shpola Zayde, and he brought Reb Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. Oh, I'm sorry, Baruch HaMezhebush, you brought Baruch HaMezhebush, and you brought the Shpal together to speak to Rav Nachum Chernobyl to convince him that he should actually not be okay with being, with being killed. And they prevailed upon him and he agreed, and he, he agreed to pray for his own release. So while this is happening, the Jewish community has this letter ready to go to the Minister of Justice, to ask the Minister of Justice to free Reb Nachum Chernobyl, and they're just thinking, who can they send? And as the um, as the, um, uh, the, the, the as they're trying to figure this out, some, one of them has this idea. Apparently, because Reb Nachum Chernobyl um, agreed to pray for his own release, because that apparently that's why he fell into this person's uh, mind. This idea: Oh, I have a perfect person that should go. Let's ask Shimon the Meiser. Shimon was always talking, going, always going around in government circles, trying to get Jews in trouble. He knows how to speak to the government. Let's ask him, bring the letter to the Minister of Justice. So they asked Shimon the Kaifer, Shimon the Meiser, if he would do it. Shimon said, he was first thinking like, the Jewish people always despise me, they always hate me, they always, think how ter- they always say how terrible I am, I don't think I should want to do this. And then he just had this voice in him saying, no, I want to go, I want to do something good, I want to speak to the government. I want to rescue the tzaddik. Because yes, I, I will go. I will go. They give him the letter, and he takes the letter. But as he's going, he's thinking, "Why am I going? They always hate, they hate me. They, they they don't like me, and they they always speak bad about me. They don't they don't. They know I could, but then I should say this. I should say this person. This person is innocent. He's going back and forth, he arrives at the place where the minister was staying. When he arrives there, there is a. Uh, um, a, one of the um, servants, the minister, recognized him. He said to him, you don't want to speak to the minister right now. The minister is drunk. And you know what happens when he's drunk. When he's drunk and gets angry at anybody who comes in, it's a wrong time to speak to the minister. So first, Shimon is thinking, yeah, this is dangerous. I go speak to the minister now. He could, he could do something to me also. But I'll, I'll, I'll wait till, till another time. But then he realized that the very next day was the day when, when Nachman Chernobyl was meant to be burnt alive. So he he 
He said, I'm, I'm going to go in. He goes in, and the minister starts screaming, you vile, filthy Jew. How dare you come in to speak to me? Who, what, do you, what do you want? What do you want to say to me? So Shimon says, I'm, I'm so sorry. You're right. I shouldn't disturb you. But there's something really important, and I need to talk to you. And he gives him the letter, and he tells him how this person is innocent, and he, sh- he doesn't deserve to be killed, and he's a really wonderful person. And the minister says, okay, fine. And he signs a paper, and the paper basically um, allows this, uh, uh, the paper basically says that that Nachum Chernobyl should not be killed. So very quickly he goes with a letter, and he brings the letter to the place where Reb Nachum is about to be burnt alive, and, he, and he's running with all his strength to get there before anything happens. And he arrives in the nick of time, he gives him the letter, and he's saved Reb Nachum Chernobyl. That's the story the Chayza said. After um, he, the Chayza said the story, the Chayza explained. So when this Shimon the Moeser passed away, he was accompanied by very great souls because of what he did. Among them were, were the souls of Nachum Chernobyl and other great tzaddikim. So when I, they went to such a funeral, of course, I also wanted to, to be there. That's the first story I want to share. The second story in the same theme uh, is a story that the Rebbe shared in the very first Fabrengen of the Rebbe's leadership. When the Rebbe said the, the Mimer, the first discourse of the Rebbe, the, the, um, the Mimer Basilagani, the Rebbe spoke about the Avis Yisrael, the love of all of the Rebbeim, and how they did everything they could to help the Jewish people. And the Rebbe said a story of each of the Rebbe's, the Alter Rebbe, the Mitter Rebbe, the Tzmachzedek, the Marash, the Varshav, the Friedrich Rebbe, saying, he said stories of each of the Rebbe's expressing what they did to help the Jewish people. So concerning Rebbe Marash, there's the following story. The uh, Rebbe Marash once needed to go to Paris. He was going to Paris to, um, on some commu- some, for some communal matter, and he took with him Rebbe Levik, one of his gabbais, and Rebbe Pinchas Leib, two of his um, gabbais, and he also went with Rebbe Shaya of Berlin, and Amesha Manyasun. They all, they all were, joined him in this mission to Paris. Rebbe Shaya was a very... Um, knowledgeable person and uh, and apparently that, that was why he was a nephew of their Marash um, but despite his knowledge it seemed that his knowledge wasn't really important as Ramarash said to him you are a Shmendrik you're uh, not a, of the upper class in other words you don't speak French so I'm going to speak so he asked his uncle uncle where are we going so the Ramarash said we're going to go to, to the Alexandra Hotel Alexandra Hotel was a very prominent hotel where kings and princes would stay. A very expensive hotel. And the Rebbe Marash asked for a top room in this hotel. So they told him there's a room for 200 francs. So the Rebbe Marash said, but he wants a room that's the same floor as a casino. So they told him there's one room, there's actually a three-room suite, a very big suite, in the hotel, and that suite has uh, those three rooms, but it's but it's much more expensive. And then Rashi said that he wants that room, but because it was um, 
so expensive, so the other chassidim who went with the Amarash had to stay in other, other hotels. Anyways, the Amarash comes to the hotel, and he goes out of his hotel room, and he goes into the casino. In, at the casino, there's a guy playing cards, and he is sipping wine while he's playing cards, and the Amarash sits next to him, puts his hand on his shoulder, and he tells him, Yayin Nesach is Osir. You're not allowed to drink wine, non-kosher wine. And then the Ramash says to him, again, Yayin Nesach, non-kosher wine, it plugs up the heart and the mind. What that means is, as the Rebbe Marash and other Rebbe's explained many discourses, that there's a condition, a spiritual condition called Timtama Mechtintama Lev. Timtama Mechtintama means that you're that you lose um, a sense of sensitivity in your heart. You don't you don't feel the right way. You don't feel you know the right the right feelings of love of Hashem and love of Torah of the Jewish people, and your mind is 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 incapable of appreciating the truth of Hashem. That the concepts of Judaism of Torah mitzvahs seem foreign. So that's just I'm oversimplifying it. Um, that Marash once said it this way. He says, Tintama Lev means I want. Your heart's being stuffed up means I want. You say I want, just the fact that your desires are important and they make you not be sensitive to God's desires, that's an indication that your heart is plugged up. I need, when your needs are so great, when your wants are so great, they become needs, that means there's some deficiency even in your thinking. That's a deeper problem. There's Tintama Mayach. Anyways, so one of the ways to get this illness, the spiritual malady, is by drinking non-kosher wine. So it can plug up your heart and mind, be a Jew. And then the Remarash got up, and it was, it was clear that Remarash was very emotional. His nephew, Rabbi Shai Berlin, said he never saw his, his uncle so emotional. And then Remarash left the casino, and he went over to a, 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 a um, chair that was next to the casino. This chair wasn't a regular chair. This chair was sort of like an elevator chair, which means that if people were too tired to climb the steps to their room, they would sit in this chair, and people would come and carry them and bring them to their room. So the Ramarash, he sat in the chair. Right away, the porters, the ones who would carry a person to their room, Came to lift up the uh, lift up the chairs to bring him to his room. But Nehemiah realized he's he actually was staying on the same floor, so he said, "Pardon, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I'm staying on this floor. You don't you don't need to take me anywhere." So he goes to his room, and this young man, shortly afterwards, asked where Nehemiah was. He went to Nehemiah's room. He spoke to him, and Nehemiah prevailed upon him to do a complete to shoot to return to Hashem. And the Rebbe later explained that the kind of purity of this person's soul was very unique. And in generations, a soul of this level of purity had not come to the world. And this soul had fallen into the deepest, deepest levels of klipa, of evil. And that Marash therefore sought to save this person, save his life. And from this person, the Remarash said, the Rebbe said at this, at this gathering, a whole... Um, huge family of Yerim Shlema, very God-fearing people, were born because of this story. They were, they, he was a patriarch of a large family that the grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren are alive today all over the world 
because of this, this story. I just want to mention, this story isn't just a regular story. The um, Rebbe writes to someone about this story. He said, you were present when my father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, said this story. And because you were present by this story, you should know that the fact you heard this story, and you were present by this story, that means that you need to take a lesson from the story. This was, I was talking to him decades later. The fact you heard the story from my father-in-law, that means that you need to pay attention to the opportunities you have in your life to inspire other Jews. So uh, this is the month of inspiration, the month of Rosh Hashanah, the month when the Jewish heart is awake to be inspired to come closer to God and Torah and Mitzvahs and Shuvah, the king is in the field. So if, we're, if we are talking about the story tonight, and so it's not just for tonight, it's for the next coming days and weeks. We heard the story, we think of people in our life, people we haven't met yet, that to reach out and inspire other Jews to, uh, to, be, to come home, to, come where the, to, to be the way they really are inside. As the theme of this week's Torah portion, A, we're coming from, A means to look inside, look inside ourselves and realize who we are, look inside others and realize who, the, who, who another Jew really is. The actual part, the essence of a Jew is bound the essence of Hashem. And that's what I want to share. A good avach, a good chaylish.